uh, I've been told that there's prime content that we don't want to miss. So I just hit record and you're up. You're up, Thanks, Janine. Zoom. Janine, tell us about your move. Oh, shit. Yeah, so... Wait, uh, wait, wait. Oh, fuck. Oh. Great. Oh, that was so satisfying. Good. Jesus. Good. Somebody just enjoy this non-alcoholic beer for a second. Uh, for our dear listeners who are looking to enhance their non-alcoholic beer experience, uh, if you exist, uh, I have an athletic brewing company upside <laughs> down, not down. I, uh, I, if you exist, thought that maybe <sighs> what you were going to say is I have a. So for our listeners, if they want to enhance their non-alcoholic beer experience, add gin. <laughs> Welcome to Soft in Austin. No. Welcome to Sick Burn. <laughs> Have we officially changed it yet? Did we do that last week? Uh, yeah, it last kind of th- felt like it last time. Yeah, you okay, asked it last week. Okay, welcome to in Austin slash Sick Burn Jane slash whatever. This will happen. Yeah, it's taken a little bit of time. But it's, uh, at some point, Sick Burn Jane. Sick, sick Burn. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm, I'm Allison. Uh, I'm Julie. That's Janine. Hi. Hi. And we are talking about, oh, Jasper, we are talking about, this is the first, the first, the, the first, first proper episode in KiraFest, our uh, considerable uh, little mini-series on Joe Wright's 2005 film Pride and Prejudice, starring Miss Kira Knightley, who is a damn fine Elizabeth Bennett. Uh, God, she's good. She I have good. to tell you, I don't know if I'm going to have like three episodes worth of shit to say about this. Oh, bitch, it's six episodes. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, don't worry, I at least there have two specific episodes. Talk- topics. I yeah. have at least two topics. episodes, yes. right? First so, episode, second episode. I don't I don't want to give all of the things away. And also, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to give the guests I want. But for, for a brief overview, in this episode, we're talking about all the way through the Oh Hell Nozzle. Uh, So what we're calling Act One, it's like an hour and 13 minutes of the movie. Uh, In the next episode, we'll be talking about Part Dos. (laughs) That's two. Oh. I was so Um, lost just now. Part Dos. Oh. Um, Ducks? Ducks? No. You You goose. (laughs) Jasper, claw his face. That wasn't funny at all. That was me. That was my joke. No, I was responding to the joke before that. Oh, I missed your joke because of my joke. What was your it joke, was, Janine? It was a bad like pronunciation of French. I pronounced the X. Redux. Redu- d- don't worry. Don't worry d- about d- it. Two. It's two. Dose. D- <laughs> you guys, I'm going to delete everything up until this fucking point. Well, let's get it together. It's Austin Austin slash no! Sick Burn Jane. I just reopened my beer. Um, uh, anyway, so anyway, part one, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much you've just heard because Julie just threatened to cut all of our good shit. <laughs> You'll hear it all. Okay, great. Uh, part anyway. one is this. We're talking about part one. Part two is talking about part two. And then after that, we're going to have a hand flex episode. Where we talk about the sex appeal and specifically why that scene is so beloved and famous. Uh, We are doing a costumes episode naturally, which friend of the show, Emma Fraser, is going to come back and talk to us about the incredible costumes. Um, I assume we will probably also touch on the incredible set decor, Mm -hmm. set dressing, art direction, the whole nine. 
uh, and some other things. But those are the the two that I have confirmed outside of our our, our first two. I guess right, maybe cool. one is you know what, pure I'm solved. Ready. Whatever, we're doing it. I'm stoked yeah. because I. In my memory, my the way that this movie exists in my memory is, oh, it's good, but it's not as good as my PP. And that's about it, really. And then we watched today and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. It's just it's not it's not my PP. Yes, but it's somebody it, else's PP. But it's, it's a, someone a, else's. But it's a very good PP. It's yeah. really it's definitely good, respectable PP. Yeah, the adaptation is really mm-hmm. quick, but they're yeah. not leaving things out that I find frustrating really it's it's like distilled very well yeah Yeah. and there's some really clever filmmaking like atmospheric filmmaking um oh yeah when she walked into his chest yeah yeah the um for me it's the all of those really long shots in the netherfield ball sequence there's so many of them where you can Mm -hmm. watch that family get progressively more drunk yeah and that's and there, nobody ever has to say anything about it, but you watch all of them, probably including Mary, because she gets all all weepy with with Papa Sutherland. Oh, you're right. Do you think Mary gets hammered too? I think they probably. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't it's know. It's very clear that Dad Bennett gets hammered in this movie. Oh yeah, Dad Fucking Bennett gets hammered. They I mean, fucking drinking all day. At Sutherland home. was just like, let's make this happen. Give me Nick- the Clarot. <laughs> Neil and I at one point saw him drinking, and we're like, hold on. Well, he he deserves a sip. Hold on, yeah. I have to preserve the claret. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this first of, hour. Yeah, it was if, good. If you're just joining us because it's Jane Austen and you don't listen to our other podcast, that's a that's an Outlander joke. Um, <laughs> so you should go check out that other podcast that may yes. or may not be on another feed right now called Pod Lady Drunkcast, not Lady Podcast. Uh, maybe it's called that. Who knows? We're not changing that one. That no, one's staying. No, I know we're not. It's staying. Anyway, time travel. Uh, <laughs> time travel is incredibly painful. Uh, I read a really great dissertation about time recently. I'm not going to go into any more depth, just to let you know that I've come up with a lot more jokes I'm going to use later. And that's can you the time please time. email us your source? Yeah, you want to read it? <laughs> of course. It's it's about time. It's about temporal focus and temporal depth. Sounds right up my fucking alley. Dude. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, great. So mm-hmm. uh, let's let's talk let's talk PP. I've got some some questions for the panel before we get into the. Are we putting on our panel glasses? These are my blue light blockers, bitch. I sat in my computer all day. <laughs> oh, Put look a at bitch him. So stylish. Janine. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, Patty, I uh, want to talk about the cast because I feel like, as is always the trouble with these episodes where we're essentially recapping the same thing we've recapped a zillion times. So many. We're not going to really talk about the plot except for when it pertains to the adaptation or if there's a big change, stuff like that. Um, but for me, I w- I've been dying since we scheduled this podcast to know what Julie thought about this cast, because I think this cast is fucking stacked. I think Joe Wright does a great job of using the, the, I guess like the essence of the people he's casting to enhance what's going on with the character. Right. And Absolutely. you can sort of reframe it like Tom Walmsgans. Um, I'm sorry, Matthew McFadden, Julie, you've got to get on that succession train. I'm not on that train either. I'm you sorry. I'm no, you would I, love it. I just really 
have a hard time accepting new properties in my life right now because I already have too many. Like I've got the Golden Girls. I've got PPs. I've got and and I know it's your job and you've got so many things you have to watch. But I feel like a real saturation point when I get to a certain level and yeah. because then I feel like I can't devote enough focus or attention to any given property. Right. That that happened to me in like March where like this of 2021, where suddenly I read like six books. Cause I was like, I cannot watch any more TV. <laughs> I have been loving reading again, which is yeah. a weird, like cyclical thing for me, which is on again and off again. And the pandemic has been really good for my reading. Yeah. So yes, Neil loves succession. Succession fucks. Right. Am I going to add it to my watch list? Probs not. Oh, but Julie, you would fucking love it. It's so, it's, it's great. Anyway, I don't want to see people be assholes to each other. I don't need that right now in my life. But you hate them, but you also love them. Uh, It's really, Neil does love them too. We it's had a whole conversation about it last funny, night. Um, right. And they're so miserable and they're so terrible. And almost all of them, I really love them, even though they're horrible. So human it's beings. a Jane Austen novel? Uh, I wrote an article about how everybody <gasps> who compares succession to Shakespeare is doing it wrong because actually succession is Jane Austen. Yes! Nice. I wrote it for paste. <laughs> nice. I wrote an Yeah, you are correct. Sick burns abound. Wait, Abound. so in the in the crowd cast, someone was noting that this Darcy is hot in this movie, but not hot in Succession. Is that is that did I understand that correctly? This is the entire conversation I had with Neil last night about Succession is that Matthew McFadden plays a uh, submissive character like he's the son-in-law of the Rupert, Rupert Murdoch character. So he's always sniveling and kissing up to him, mm. but treating everybody beneath him like shit. And then he has his hot wife, Rupert Murdoch, quote unquote, daughter, who's super hot and doesn't really give a shit about him. Well, Mm. it's the situation's a lot more nuanced than that. Sure. Um, But she's fucking other people. Mm. Succession spoilers. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So so what I'm saying is it's it's it is very Jane Austen. It's extremely Jane Austen. Tom Walmsgans is the character's name in Succession. And I feel like this is an indication of the level of writing on Succession um, and the, the like, the, the jokes. Because there's no reason that his last name has to be Walmsgans. That's Walmsgans. true. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's almost like it's almost like Wom's Gams. Wom's Gams. You know what it's closer to though? Huh. Funke. It's very Funke. It's a very Funke name. Nice. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um he's I wouldn't say that it's that he's not hot, but he's not Mr. Darcy. He's and, not like and he's dripping the, with like he's the worst because they're all the worst. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is actually the worst. Well, <gasps> the dad is actually the worst. You know what, though? I can see Cameron being the worst in his yeah, he's been, th- th- he's middle made a ca- to old age. He's, he's, the, a- he's the oldest and he's whatever. This is not a succession podcast. He turned into Cameron's dad with the Ferrari. Yeah, He I'm became just, his future self. I'm waiting for Ferris Bueller Jr.'s Day Off. And I just want Cameron's dad Let's to be there. Let's go back to Pride and Prejudice. We should talk about this PP. So, uh, the question that you raised, Janine, was, is, uh, what's the deal with him not being hot in succession? Yeah. And he, Matthew McFadden is hot, period, end of sentence. 
Okay. It Tom, wasn't like, because this Tom was like. Tom scans. Because this is decades. Like, I mean, you know, we've, a couple decades have passed. So, like, if he's not as hot anymore, that well, happens. I mean, it was 2005. Years. 16. So, not a couple decades. A decade and a half. Yeah. I mean, I'm and rounding I, up. You know what? Colin Firth was 1995, and that motherfucker can still get That's it. a couple of decades and still Uber Darcy. That's yeah. true. That's mm-hmm. very true. Well, I mean, p- different people, different strokes, different Coming films. back to mm-hmm. the cast. Uh, I'm curious to know, maybe let's start Maybe let's start with the Bennett family. How do you feel about our Bennett parents? Great. I almost felt like I had seen this Mrs. Bennett in something else. I promise you, you have. Brenda That's Blethyn. Brenda Blethyn. Yeah. Character actress extraordinaire. I, as I feel like she was a Mrs. Bennett we've seen. And I don't think that's true, but I feel like she was another Mrs. Bennett we've watched. And I've just like, she just. In something she, else or. Yeah. She's just so good at it. She's very, She's very been good. in so much shit. Yeah. She's a um, very good Mrs. Bennett. I'm thrilled about Brenda Blethyn. She's perfect, and she really kind of hits a reality level with it that a lot of actor Mrs. Bennett is such an outsized character, right? But I think this actor realizes how to ground it in reality really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. And um, Donald Sutherland is a fucking <laughs> iconic choice for Mr. <sighs> Bennett. Like, he's... Very, very good at this part because he's always had that air of detachment. No matter what he's in, he's always detached or separate from it. Yeah. I love that every chair he sat in, he never sat straight up. He always slouched so he could hide behind his newspaper. I fucking love that. Mm -hmm. So good. The scene that I love um, from both of them and from Kira too, honestly, is the like the big punchline from the first part of the book. Your mother will never see you again if you do marry Mr. Collins, and I if you don't marry Mr. Collins, and I will never see you again if you do. Zing! That's a punchline. That's a Jane Austen joke, and it is still funny because it's a funny line. But they don't play that scene for laughs at all no. because they're so. All three of them are so invested in the stakes of what is going to happen if we have to leave this house and none of us are married. Like, what do we do? What is going to become of us? And that's what will become of us all is what Mrs. Bennett says over and over again. But here in that, and that scene is where I believe it the most. I think it's the like punch number two then is, is the way that Charlotte behaves when she comes to tell Lizzie, but we'll get to Charlotte in a minute. Anyway, I agree. That was the best scene in the first half of the movie, in my opinion. I think that, that, Brenda and Donald are just straight killing it. I really liked in this particular adaptation how the Netherfield has been finally let at last is just the two of them kind of behind closed doors like they don't know anybody can hear them. Yeah. Because every other adaptation we've seen, it's a big public scene where (laughs) Mrs. Bennett is like freaking out that there's a rich man next door. But this one is a little bit more pointed and quiet where she's running to her husband immediately like, Jesus Christ, we've got to get these kids out of here. Oh, my God. Look at this guy. So interesting. They did a really good job with that kind of environmental conversation where it's like you mm-hmm. you don't have to put them all in the same room. You just put them on the other side of a door and you've changed the dynamic. Like everyone still hears it. When he left, when Donna Sutherland left that room, his line, the line he says is, oh, look, people. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's like, I knew you he were Because he knows there. they're listening. 
Yeah. He's like, I know you're there. Oh, I'm so surprised. Let me keep walking. Where's my mm-hmm. fucking newspaper? He was very, it's no, very good. excuse me, prize orchid coming through. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that was what he had. Um, yeah. All yeah. right. So and what that- about our, what about our sisters? We've got, you know, we'll, we'll save Kira. We'll discuss Kira later. Sure. Um, my, my heart. Our, our four my heart. Jane. Yeah. Jane. Ooh, Rosamund perfect. Pike. Interesting casting choice, but that's only from this end of the time perspective. Yeah, this right? is like a, that. This movie exists in a pre-Gone Girl universe. Right back then, I would not have known Gone Girl, and I would not have known whatever this elder abuse shit she was just in is. But <laughs> that actor has definitely been pushed or shoehorned into Ice Queen kind of mean roles. Yeah, and Jane is like the antithesis of that, and I think she does a great job. I, she's very beautiful, and she and Kira, their chemistry together as sisters is very good. I'm cool with her. I think within the realism that this movie's playing with, which, you know, is and maybe that might be a qualified statement given the speed of like how time seems to be progressing. Um, but I think she's a good choice from that kind of colder perspective, given the shyness and the modesty, which actually like the, that during the uh, Oh Hell Nozel, that was the first time I really caught that um, uh, uh, Lizzie was saying, I don't even know what she's feeling. She doesn't even tell me what she's feeling. Why are you, how can you fucking know this and make well, a decision the about the future? You, you caught that is because that is, that's an added a, line. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, was, she does say mm. that to Charlotte, right? Like the conversation yeah. she has with Charlotte, but she doesn't say any of that stuff. Yeah. And, well then point, well, I, I, part of the adaption I like, but also like, I think I finally like picked up on that where in other adaptations, no shade on any of the Janes, but like, I didn't pick up on the shyness, modest, like modest part of that as much, I guess. But she's I, great. I think she, I mean, this is a spoiler for when we do our, our PP part one bracket episode, but I think she might be my favorite Jane, but a lot of her best stuff is yet to come. Yeah. Um, I love that she uh, gives Lizzie a little pushback sometimes. Mm. Um which is also an adaptation thing, obviously. Um, and I love that they do, <laughs> they do the, um, what I'll call the dead wife shot, uh, which is under the sheet and there's light and you're sideways like so this. So pretty. That was such That's, a pretty scene. This is the, this is the dead wife shot. If, Why is it uh, the dead wife shot? Because you watch any show where the hero has a dead wife and that's why he's a hero. And they're always flashback, talking to each other on a blanket. It's going to oh. be pillow talk. There's going to be a sheet over her head. Sometimes there'll be like home footage where she's like, <laughs> I'm drinking the, oh, but now Here's I'm having salad. an intimate so moment with the it. camera. Totally. Um, Anyway, they get <sighs> she gets a dead wife shot because the real love story of Pride and Prejudice is between Jane, Jane and, and Lizzie. Lizzie. Yeah, that's right. Good uh, job, was, Joe Wright. Good very, job, Joe Wright. That was a very pretty moment too. It's they very did such pretty. a great job. Well, and oh, they're so and yeah. they're. I think it's a does a great job of illustrating the differences in their temperaments, right? Like Lizzie is so happy for her, but it's all like sharp, fun, bantery, and whereas Jane is just kind of like freaking out that she's having so many feelings you know what i mean like she's sort of overcome and it kind of dampens her ability to speak it's a great scene yeah uh all right what about um poor sweet mary just great casting and great costumes to 
sure she has the beautiful moment when lizzie turns collins down and everybody else is laughing but she's really sad yeah and then she has kind of the elevated moment after her dad tells her to quit playing the fucking piano because everybody else needs a chance where she's as you rightly said earlier maybe a little bit hammered and feeling a little bit shitty about her what she has to offer when she's crying and talking about how she hates balls and blah, blah. Um, it's interesting. It's not enough to make Mary stand out for me. I think, and I, and I don't think she, there's anything to be done, but I do think that she did a good job or that, or Joe Wright might've helped along, helped us along. Of there just is like, something to, something to be done. And that is to cast a incredibly magnetic person in a role that doesn't get any time. Sure. Julie, stop giving away my ideas. <laughs> Come on. But I, I, but I feel stop like talking I talking about hot Mary. That stop secret. I saw, I saw Not more, just hot Mary. I saw more of the, like the off screen, like thought process stuff, right? Like at the table, she had a quill and she was writing where rather than just simply like reading a book, which I said, would you see a lot of Mary's do or yeah. the, uh, the outsized emotional reaction because she was probably hammered and she was trying to play like there's a, there seems to be a lot more going on with this Mary that is not necessarily changing how we feel about Mary. It's be- never going to change. It, nothing is ever going to change about how we feel about Mary. It's yeah. like baked in. It's There's baked just in. something about her. Damn it. Mm-hmm. You got that before me. You did so good. I knew so you good. were going to do it. God. So I was going to do it for you, bitch. God, you did. You, you awesome. It's You're not awesome. every day that you can out Janine Janine. <laughs> but I did. So, so good. My hair is standing straight up on end. It was so nice. Yeah. It always does that, buddy. I know. Now it's floofy. You know, you have, lot of volume how do you make that volume happen and well today it's because it's fucking humid as shit here uh and most of the time it's just because i i, I don't know i just do this a lot i like fluff my hair <laughs> there you <laughs> go great just that's fucking, the answer but all right fucking doing this all the time fluff, 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 fluff. let's talk about kidia that's my couple name <laughs> that's perfect kidia here's was good. the thing I don't even remember the actress that played Lydia, which is the more quote unquote forward part because fucking Carrie Mulligan is Kitty. I tried to, I told you, I told you you were going to be surprised by the person Yay. playing Kitty. She, I'm she's, glad. This is she's the a major actress of Kitty now. Erasure. Yes, this is the opposite of Kitty Erasure. Although, I mean, I guess it did take. 15 years for this to be something that somebody's saying, but it elevates the role of Kitty because the actress playing Kitty is demonstrably more uh, magnetic than the actress playing Lydia. Oh, uh, well, it's clear. J- you may be, you may sing a different song after you've seen part two. Okay. I, I'm ready to be corrected. Cause that actress is also very good. And like is a, a very lot good. of other stuff too. She is. Very, name, now, what is that actress's name? The actress that Jenna plays Lydia. Malone. Jenna Thank Malone. you. Yeah. What else has she done? Because you, do you know who she reminds me of? Is this character astro- actress named Jane Adams? That is actually her name. And she was in like, she had a great episode of Atlanta. She's been in all sorts of shit. But when she comes into something, it's like she's dropped in. Like, oh, oh my God. She plays what's her name's mom in Hacks. She's um incredible. I agree. She was in and one I, of my favorite movies from last year. I, I don't remember how time works anymore. She's great. She's a great actress. 
I think that this Lydia works in that kind of same way where it's like kind of a stealth drop. Yeah. And that will then explode because that's what Jane Adams says. She always just comes in from the outside and then becomes this like elemental weird, like you won't forget her scenes. You I will never forget her scenes. This was the first uh, PP where I could tell that Lydia was younger than Kitty. Where hmm. Kitty Kitty had an age component to her that, are, and Lydia felt more immature than K- Kitty. Their energies were obviously still si- similar for that uh, Kittya relationship. Mm-hmm. But I like, love that. I love that. <laughs> but if I felt that age difference uh, for the first time here, I think for me it's mm-hmm. a, like a temperament difference because Kitty is silly and Lydia's a dick, <laughs> and that's how. I don't know. I guess that's part of how I've read the book because Kitty is so casually cruel so often and and not Kitty. Lydia. Oh, my God. That's what this is what I get for saying Kitty. I'm never going to be able to say either of their names ever again. Um, Lydia is often, I think, more cruel than Kitty is. Kitty can also be a butthole, but Lydia is the real golden butthole of the relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And here it's like, I just want to take Carrie Mulligan and shake her by her cute little shoulders and be like, just stop for just a second and you're you're behaving like an asshole you're behaving exactly like a teenage girl who thinks it's fun to go run around mire with her friends as a social life i was that girl i did that (laughs) that was me Mm -hmm. and you think oh i'm having so much fun when really you're just being the absolute fucking worst don't worry. Once yeah, Lydia yeah. goes away, Kitty Kitty evens out a bit. She does. She does. <laughs> she um, will. Jenna Malone has been in all kinds of things. She, I think, is probably best known for the Hunger Games movies, but she's in. That's right. Yeah. She's young Jodie Foster, I think, in Contact. Um, she is. She's. Uh, I'm trying to go back to stuff that's a little bit earlier. She was in the Hatfield and McCoys miniseries. That seems like a thing Julie would have watched. Nope. Um, Sucker Punch. Oh, I have mm. seen Sucker Punch, but that's been a long time since I've seen that turd. Who does she play in Sucker Punch? Um, Rocket. Yeah, Rocket. I don't remember enough about it other than that I hated it and it was an affront against womanhood. Oh. Um. Anyway, she's been in a bunch of things, but I think yeah. she's probably mm-hmm. most famous for being in the Hunger Games movies. So far, the energy is good. I like the I like the Kitty name, and I like the energy that these that this Kitty brings. Her energy is very frenetic and very like trying to be in front all the time. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. She, uh, I'm, I'm going to be very curious to know your thoughts on, on old Jenna Malone once we get through part two. Um, okay. Here's a big one. Here's a big one. Let's talk about Mr. Collins. No. Okay. I love things about it, but then I really, really hate things about it. Okay. Talk to me. This is a very interior Collins. Um, This is a very uh, things that have happened inside me coming up, like affecting how I speak to others, Collins, as opposed to, in my mind, the ideal Collins, which is outside in all the time. Mm. And it's it's impactful and it's interesting, but I don't think it serves the character as well i i don't know it doesn't offer us that break in the middle of act one which is what collins is for 
is to like, oh, God, a release. Oh, here's a butthole we can all laugh at. Right. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't give us that break. And then eventually it feels like he didn't want to get married and that it was all an inconvenience. And I don't know. There's there's a, a, a lack of joy. There's a I don't I don't think in 2005 the popular zeitgeist had the language for this, but now we do. I feel like he's very neurodiverse and like just hadn't like he he's maybe even asexual if it goes that far, but just like doesn't want this thing, but knows he has to do it. Like you can see the distaste on his face, like when he's like talking with her. He's like, "Lady Catherine Bow's asking me to do this, and I gotta do this." And I'm like, "You know like, what? At least this Collins has distaste when he's going through the Bennett sisters like cattle." Yeah. <laughs> At least he has a moment of shame and distaste. My yeah. read on this is totally different from the two of you. I find this fascinating. So what you're saying is you think that he hates having to do this. Yes. I, I don't know. I don't I th- think I don't think he hates getting to inherit the property. <laughs> I, I think I he hates having to get married. Yeah, I think it's that specifically. And I don't think it, he hates like anything else he's doing. I just think that he doesn't. I don't think he processes the emotions that is being asked of him to process when it goes to marriage. He looks at it very much as an intellectual exercise. He's like, well, I guess I have to do this. And he'd prefer not to, but he understands why he has to. Because it is a real Bartleby the Scrivener situation. <laughs> yeah. And like, and you know, and when it comes. joke. English joke. I prefer not to. That was impactful to me as a high schooler. And I carry that lesson with me to this very day. I prefer not to. And when it comes to like the Darcy introduction where he like, you know, comes up behind him and like Mr. Darcy is like rather than just standing next to the open space and just like making himself making himself known to this giant as a smaller man. Um, I think it's like it just I, I to me that that's not distaste on that side. That's more just like he this is a thing he has to do for society and he's OK with doing the society things. But when it comes to like a personal intimate relationship, he wasn't necessarily on board. It's interesting to me because when you bring up that example, I think about how it fell. I think about what the time like after we've met Mr. Collins all the way through the oh hell nozzle. So we're just talking about the first hour and 13 of the movie. Mm-hmm. As I said, I really think the first introduction of Mr. Collins and then kind of his arc until he hooks up with Charlotte is supposed to be a valve release. Like it's supposed to. We're supposed to have a moment where we're like, oh, it's so clear how we feel about this guy. <laughs> what a ding dong. Right. <laughs> And goofy. I think He's I think that that has been taken away from us in this adaptation, but I think it's in service of trying to get to the oh hell nozzle. Like they're trying to build everything up so hard, yeah, that the rainstorm at the fucking Parthenon or whatever the fuck that thing was is supposed to be like a true release. When really in the novel, that's there's no release there. It's the midpoint. It's like pushing you onwards because on so, the on the timeline mm-hmm. of the film that was only five minutes earlier yeah yeah or I, maybe, I, ten, maybe 10 minutes earlier 10 minutes I, earlier no, you I'm, have this I'm, moment I, i'm just talking about the characterization of collins oh. as a whole oh yeah, yeah okay because they've made him less funny mm-hmm. they've made him more interior and more like i can understand what he's feeling even though he's ridiculous as opposed to kind of a uh what i believe him to be in the book which is kind of a release a clown right hmm yeah i i mean i guess i just i for me i think he's still 
pretty funny, uh, for, mostly because of the close talking, because I find the close talking <laughs> uproariously funny. Every time he's like this close to Kira Knightley's face and she's just like trying not to laugh, I find that it, very endearing. Um, I also love the moment when Matthew McFadden turns around and the the guy ducks out of his the way of his elbow. Let's <laughs> so, go like this because he's guy. he's elbow high. Um, yeah. Good moment. Uh, but for me, I think the reason that they make him less funny is because they they take very seriously what it costs Lizzie and her family for her to choose to be romantic, lack of mm. a better term, and to say no to him. Right? Like because that's real. Because she really is giving up something. And in a certain light, potentially dooming her family to something. If 50 years from now, she regrets this because they all wound up unhoused. You know what I mean? Like that's. Then I'm going to say that his proposal scene and her response to it does not bear that out because it's so quick and so fast. Yeah, I, I she's think, just like, nope, nope, nope. And it's done well, as opposed she to I don't I'm not saying that she's that waffling on it, but I'm saying the scene with her parents, though, she is begging, please don't make me do this. And her dad mm-hmm. says, no, you don't have to. But they're all aware of how high the stakes are. So even yes. though she I mean, she literally ran away because we have that great shot of her sprinting away from the house. And then her mom like. Huffing and puffing along behind her while a whole flock of geese just run down the road. <laughs> that geese shit was tight. It, that it's was good. Really good. And so she's lit, like, her revulsion is so profound that she begs her whole family to stay so that it just won't happen. Then gets through it as fast as she can and literally sprints away from the property. But that doesn't make it not a potential loss to her family because it's an opportunity for them to not lose their home is what her saying no is her giving away an opportunity for them to not lose their home. Yeah. I mean, but that's, I think that along the line of Mr. Collins though, like of that performance in that particular actor, I think it just, I, I'm with Julie. Like I cold. think there wasn't cold. Like I, it, he wasn't gregarious. He, he wasn't like, you know, there wasn't the, um, I saw, I saw, I saw someone joy in pain. ignorance. There yeah. wasn't the joy in ignorance that mm. all of our best Collins have had. Like I saw a guy who was in pain. That's why this I guy was like, in pain. Yeah. This guy was having psychic questions with himself about yeah. who he was, identity questions, and he could not answer them to the manner or fact that his benefactress wanted him to answer them and so he got married i think that he didn't want to be married and i think that he was and that's okay because maybe maybe collins doesn't want to get married but also it it just loses something of that release valve in the middle of the first act Mm. Where you need to, like, ugh, loosen up before we get to Darcy and the giving his oh hell nozzle. Right. Yeah, at the Parthenon. <laughs> so, so epic. Very it is. Why the fuck is it the Parthenon? They, because these are one, rich ass people. For yeah, that you're, one you're scene, right, right. they flew to Athens just to make yes, sure. Just well, like this is, I mean, I think that this is a good transition to talking about um 
Dame Judy because uh, <laughs> amazing. One, I mean, perfect. you'll obviously what? talk about the set dressing it. and who gives a shit location like, scouting and stuff. How do we talk about her? Because she's perfect. just so good. <laughs> she understood the brief. She did it. You know, I, I I don't know if this is maybe an adaptation or maybe a choice for uh, from Dame Judy Dench, but like this was the first adaptation where I noticed when she was offering. Uh, the housekeeper's pianoforte that it wasn't to Lizzie that it was to Charlotte instead. No, I, I noticed. Never no, I, I noticed, never noticed that, that one in the last one. Oh, okay. Well, that's an adaptation choice. Oh, that yeah. is okay. Because mm-hmm. I, yeah, and I liked it because she was like, "Go I'm away about from to this be conversation." So dorky. Um, there's uh, a like a vagueness in the pronouns. I think that she says, "I have told." M- Mrs. Lucas that she, but it's while Lizzie is playing. And uh, anyway, I think that it's a choice to make it Charlotte, because in that respect, then we know of Charlotte's life that she is constantly being invited, being invited to come improve her shitty piano playing in a part of the house (laughs) where no one can hear her all the time. I know that this was not in uh, Murder at Pemberley or Murder Whatever. But that feels like something that happened. This has happened where we talked about Lady Catherine saying, oh, you're welcome to come. You won't make any problem in that part of the house. Yeah. Because it's obviously like the servants quarters. We've talked about this before and I don't well, know. It's because it's in there. It's yeah. it's mm-hmm. oh, it's usually Mrs. Jenkinson's room. It's her mm-hmm. daughter's companion. But she's. Typically in the original, she's saying it to Elizabeth. She's not yeah. saying it to Charlotte. Is that what you're saying? I think it's it's that it's vague that it could be to either. There's a, there is some vagaries in the pronouns. Yeah. yeah. We're in the weeds. Um, I feel like this <laughs> this is actually going to actively be confusing to some people. So maybe we should cut a little tiny part of this. I like that uh, Lizzie, what happened in this adaptation that was very clear was that Lizzie, like Lady Catherine Bow basically said, hey, Lizzie, go play music and we're not going to talk to you now. You go away. Like, I want to have a conversation here and you go over there and now I'm going to And I want to humiliate you. Yeah. Because you said you're not very good at this. Go play the piano. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. definitely much meaner. Yeah. Yes. It's just presumptuous and like arrogant and other adaptations. And in this one, it feels like a deliberate act of cruelty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and you- they let her actually be bad at piano. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. When she's like, no, I'm I'm not. This isn't I'm, modesty. I'm, I'm really, really bad. I'm really bad. <laughs> I'm terrible. And then she is terrible. Yeah. Like she only knows one song. She looks around, just goes, well, anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> anyway, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. been sitting here for two minutes thinking about that. Of okay, course you on. have. Uh, I was at. I was at the bar with Aaron <laughs> this weekend and uh, we were we were playing some tunes on the jukebox and we were talking about something. I don't remember what. And at the end of some song, he went, anyway, here's Wonderwall. And then Wonderwall started playing. <laughs> it was because he and he just waited until that song ended. He played a song on a jukebox for an entire joke, which I recognize we've done many times. But it was it was like I now know why it is that most of Janine's jokes are so bad, and it's because he did the, it at camping too. I know, but you don't. But you don't understand. It's we were in. The, it was a totally natural transition, and then Wonderwall started playing. 
it was like it was the reason that he's his jokes are so bad is because the universe was saving them all for this one moment (laughs) this one thing it was uh it was really it was really wonderful this on the other hand this one was just fine that's fine. Yeah. I mean, um, that's that's where my bar is set for me. Is fine, fine. That's great. So Judy performance. I, I want great. to know great. a little bit more about performance, fine. and then I also fine. want to talk about that fucking wig, the yeah. drag queen wig. Well, we're gonna mm-hmm. have we're gonna have like a costumes and stuff. Oh yeah, sure. that. That. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. I'm saying we're gonna talk about it twice because obviously oh, we're gonna okay. talk about it again. I need at least some. I want to know what what fruit you could fit inside that wig. Pineapple. A whole pineapple. A whole pineapple. Maybe three. I don't think so. <laughs> no, the whole point is this is that wig is for a, a mature woman. Cause that's gray, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna say prunes. Oh, <laughs> like a whole bag of prunes? Just a whole mm-hmm. bag of prunes. Nice. You don't know nice. when you need one. I Just reach probably, up and grab one. I think she probably has figs up there. I think she'd be a fig lady. Figs also work. Yeah. But that's a very specific season. There's like prunes. a whole there's a whole box of Harry and David up here. Just <laughs> plum <What>? prunes, <laughs> pears, baby, pears. Well, and on one side, there's a Walker shortbread she just pulls out, you know. Lovely. Yeah. We've invented a, a new this, hairstyle this is, craze. This is a charcuterie hair or a charherry? Charcuterie? No, a hair, go to no, hell. Go away. No, go away. What's wrong with it? Charcuterie. No, no, no. 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 God, I wish that we were in the crowd cast because I could have just muted him. <laughs> Just mid-sentence. Would have been great. Uh, We should move on. You'll see yourself out. (laughs) Bye. Um, Okay. So uh, we taught Charlotte, 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 Charlotte. Great. Oh, my God. Her monologue was maybe the highlight of the first half of this movie. Tell me about it. Tell me your feelings, Julie. She was, um, first of all, please tell me the actress's name, if you don't mind looking it up. I do not. Uh, Claudie Bake, Bl- Claudie Blakely. Okay, so Claudie Blakely, I would like to thank you for doing your job so fucking well. <laughs> Here's hashtag Fitzmob for Claudie Blakely. Fitzmob for Claudie Blakely. We spend forty five minutes listening to Mrs. Bennett be a super dick bag about Charlotte and about oh I wish she was prettier, more over handsome, and over, over and over and over and over and over and over again. And here's just Charlotte being her supportive best friend of her second eldest daughter. Like, just being ride or die. And then she has to take the opportunity that's given to her. We all know this because of the book. And this defense, her monologue in her defense, is the most real and, like, deep-seated consideration of that person's, that character's humanity that I've seen so far. Yeah. This is without a doubt the best Charlotte Lucas I've seen. Without a doubt. Yeah. I agree. I have nothing else to add to that. I totally agree with that too. Yeah. She yeah. fucking kills it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, all right. Well, I think, I guess all we're left with really right now are the, are the big two. The deuces. You know what? They're both fine. They're both really hot. And they're both trying to touch each other sometimes. And that's really cute. I think that maybe she's a little bit better than he is, but he's okay. Are we not going to do Bingley? We're going to, we're going to do Bingley. I love Bingley. 
Bingley, I think Bingley is perfectly cast. Perfectly. That yeah. quaff of a hair, his energy mm-hmm. as a golden retriever. Exactly. Oh, God, yeah. so good. Golden retriever. Human golden, golden retriever, retriever to die. I've exactly. Never, is, this is an adaptation choice because I've never noticed his uh, his uh, floundering around like, oh, well, I didn't mean that, but I do mean this, but I do mean, but like, yeah. I love you. That's an adaptation choice for that sure. That was a great adaptation. And he, he did it, well. Well, it makes him funny in a way he isn't usually. Yeah. Which Caroline, I like. meh. Oh, As, I'm I'm into this Caroline, but hold on. I want to I want to say one more thing about um, Bingley, which is one of my favorite moment, moments in this first half is when Jane is walking through the ballroom and he tries to grab a little tiny piece of her dress. <laughs> oh, my God. When he tries to grab her butt. I no, it's a so, piece of her dress. Like a little. Gr- no. he, uh, yes, he just wanted to touch part. But he, he reached wanted to touch right her. for her butt. He well, just he, wanted to touch her. It didn't matter. He just wanted to touch her. And he was like, oh, like I can hold this part. That was good. It was cute. That was very good. There it's was a, a good lot moment. of graspy hand things. And I yeah. understand why the hand flex is going to be like thematically relevant when it happens. Like I get it. Cause the fucking helping her up into You've the carriage. You've seen the was- hand flex girl. That was it. Uh, it, was, it wasn't the Pemberley no. hand flex, but it was no. uh, uh, that we have from 90 to 5. From I've Anemonis. seen that he helps Nemesis. her into the carriage. I haven't seen the they meet at Pemberley and then he freaks out. I haven't seen that yet. Well, so this, he, so this was, so this, he, that he this, does it in that. So, I mean, he does it in that scene. So the, the timing of the hand flex in this was that scene. I'm sorry. I missed it. Yeah. I was, well, I, I said, Janine, well, the hand flex is a specific to like, you're, you're inventing a Colin Firth hand flex that doesn't exist. The hand flex is a 2005 joint for sure. No, doesn't he do the hand? Doesn't he do the no, hand thing? No, in, no, but no. Colin Firth doesn't do any hand flex. But doesn't he like he holds her hand? He he well, just sure. helps her into a carriage. I'm, oh. I'm talking about today. The only thing that I saw was when he touched her hand to help her help her into the carriage. And then he Here's walked away. Here's why I see this. I can yeah. tell you what happened, Julie. You saw him to touch her hand to get into the carriage. Go ahead, honey. Go mm-hmm. get your water. Oh no, sorry, I'm done. What? I think she was drinking water when it happened. Oh. <gasps> I thought you said I have to go get a. We are all over the place today, guys. No. Um, uh, You saw him help her into the coach and you took a note about it. And in the second you took a note about it, do you have a note about the carriage? I do, but it was it when they were leaving Rosings? No. When they're leaving. That's, That's when he helped her into the carriage in this part of the movie. No, it's not Rosings. It's Wasn't Netherfield. It? It's when Jane is sick at Netherfield and they load her into the carriage to go home. No, 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 no. He didn't look at her that way until after all that shit. No, I think this was when he was at Rosings and he helped her into the carriage. She doesn't get into a carriage at Rosings. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and Alice. Yeah, Allison's right on this. It's. I'm it's having a hard time. This right. this movie moves so quickly that it's hard for me to remember when things happened because it's just like. Click, oh no! Click, you're click, right. Click, you're click. right. Here it is. Yeah. <laughs> Hand up to the carriage. They might as well be franching, and that is uh, when they're still at Netherfield. Yes. Right? So yes. Julie, you wrote down they might as well be frenching, and while you wrote down they might as well be frenching, Matthew McFadden went like this. Sorry, I'm I'm opening my I'm flexing my hand. Maybe that's you can hear when my it happened. That was hand flex. You'll have to watch that okay. scene again. Yeah, it was it was quick. It's um, 
Yeah, wow, I it's mean, really, you, it's really interesting that that would be so impactful, but I get it. I like, I 100% understand why that would be so impactful for people, but like. Well, but you didn't see it. You got to see it. Got to do it again. I, 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 well, I knew that they might as well be Frenching in that moment where they <laughs> touched each other. But that's what really sells it. It's like. Mm-hmm. I, I, but what I'm saying is I felt that before that, like. A triumph of filmmaking. Yeah. Seriously, it really is worth it. It's a it's a famous shot for a reason, and you've got to watch it because we're doing an entire episode about it. Are we really? Well, that's clear. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, are you? Do you not want to? Are you salty about that? Oh no, I'm not salty about anything. I have to watch all this shit. I'm mustardy about it. Okay. Oh god. Is I it too know. late to just to write him out? It's too late. It's too late. And we've signed papers. Oh my God, we have. (laughs) (laughs) Like, now, this is less formal now. This is much more formal now. No, it actually is too late. Okay. (laughs) Now it's real. Oh boy. Mm, Dude, dude. None of this is going to, we, uh, none of this is going to make sense to any of you guys. Sorry. Okay. Um, uh, so, and Kira. So, Matthew McFadden, hand flexing, and Kira. God. I have to make one more point about ancillary characters before we move sure. on to Darcy and Elizabeth. I was going to let this go, but I realized that Neil made such an incredible point that I'd never considered before from the book. Charlotte Lucas is to Mr. Bennett as Mr. Collins is to Mrs. Bennett. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. Totally. Yeah, that's a good I point. S- yeah, I see that. Uh, I'm remembering now we went back to supporting characters and you said Caroline Bingley and I said I wanted to come back to it. So let's really briefly touch on Caroline Bingley. I think she did a really good job. I don't think she was as good as the A&E and I definitely don't think she was as good as uh, uh, Bride and Prejudice. I like I just she was fine. Mm. She, I think, is an interesting halfway between Indira Varma and, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I do not remember the name of the woman who played. Wait, it's Aunt Anna something Duckface from the A and E B B P C B D D. Yes, A B C B B D. You know me. That's so good. Oh boy. So, um, I think she's an interesting in the, in between point between those two, right? Because she's Mm -hmm. cruel in the same way that the 95 Carolyn is cruel. Yeah. But she's a hot bitch in the same way that Indira Varma is a hot bitch. Agreed. Which like, I'm interested in both of those Caroline Bingley's. I'm interested in, wow, are you an asshole? And I'm interested in Regina George and she's Regina George here. And uh, I think does a good job. And she also has very specific casting thing. She has mean girl freckles. You know how there's like a girl you went to kindergarten with who had perfect freckles and she was an asshole no just me no, no. i remember there was one in mine is, it, is that a thing that's a thing yes okay there i will also well i mean for white people yeah if we want to be they very always specific. look like their Fair. parents are gonna are gonna tell your parents that you're not welcome at the country club <laughs> i will say this <laughs> this adaptation are the two weakest bingley's so far out of my favorites. Oh, I, I like this, Bingley. this. This adaptation is has already, even in the first half of it, jumped up into my top five. But the Bingleys are kind of weak. I, 
I'd agree with that too. Like as far as I think the Bingleys serve the purpose in in a really strong way, but as like individual actors, uh, like there were other, there were better ones, right? Oh, I love, I love this Charles Bingley a lot. He's, I mean, he's doing a good job, but he, uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong in the second half, but he's kind of forgettable in the first half. He's up against he's up against stronger forces, and That's Wickham true. is not one of them. Yeah, not this Wickham. This Wickham is the worst. Oh, Wickham. we haven't even talked about this Wickham. Are we gonna yeah. wait to? No, let's talk about Wickham. This he's w- the, it's terrible. Just backcasting. Uh, bad. I don't know. Like there was no coyness to his uh, sharing of he's his story. He's not a good actor. Yeah, he's, he's he's very pretty to look at, but he's just at least in this role. He doesn't really understand what the character is. There's no swarmy. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't understand that he. I don't know. I haven't seen the second half of it. I think at least in this first half, he seems not great. I think that um, that that's the point. He's not my favorite Wickham by a long shot, but I actually think it's really inspired casting because it does something that almost none of the other PPs that we've watched has done, which is assumed that there are people in the audience that don't know that Wickham is a piece of shit Mm. here. I don't think we're supposed to think Wickham is a piece of shit because I don't think we're supposed to know Wickham is a piece of shit because, because he's good at hiding the fact that he's a piece of shit. But I feel like even if like, uh, I'm, I don't know. I feel like part of the Wickham thing is that he draws you in on the kind of like, well, I don't think I should say it's not necessarily proper, but I'll, I'll trust you with this. There was none of that here. It was just very much. She asked, she told, and he told. And I, that's, just, I, th- I think Wickham I, that, is an afterthought here and that that's okay. Like if, if that's part of your adaptation, but Wickham is not who we're here to talk about. This guy is not great. Maybe, well, maybe this, like there's nothing about it that's interesting. Maybe this speaks a bit to the straightforwardness of this adaptation, though, because it is a very straightforward adaptation around like just clipping along like the swarminess maybe that I'm looking for Wickham requires more time, maybe. It, it really doesn't. And I can prove it to you. Uh, his father loved me more than him. And now I'm poor. <laughs> right? You're right. You're right. Fucking you're right. Wishbone did it better. You're right. <laughs> Wishbone did that better. But again, I don't think that that's the point here. I think we are supposed to agree with Lizzie that he's Uh, great, that he seems like because, you know, what? it's the difference between having Wickham as a fuck boy and having Wickham as a nice guy. And Mm. he's a nice guy here. We're not supposed to see that he's a piece of shit. We're supposed to think. Though it feels like you know he's a piece of shit way earlier. I don't think you do. I think it's the first time that it starts to seem that way is after the ball when Jane is talking to her about what Bingley said. Yeah, because we don't really get here. He's being can like he's straightforward and candid, and like Darcy has not done himself any favors. So like it's believable that well when they cut they cut him um, and the. Miss King. Oh no, we haven't gotten to Miss King yet. No, yeah, Mm-mm. they cut Miss King. He's um, he's not. He doesn't bail on Lizzie to get oh, engaged to somebody else. Him. We haven't seen him get married to somebody richer, right? Um, or start to per- do the thing. Because truthfully, I'm just going to say it yeah. feels like 
this adaptation really doesn't give a fuck about the Wickham plotline. Like that's what it feels like. It like at it, least so far they don't care. Yeah, it does. It, it, it's not as well. I guess well. I don't remember the second half as well because I just remember the the Parthenon. Tell the truth. Um, Where is the reason you don't remember the second half because you are making out? No, come on. You said you saw this on a date. Did I? You told me you saw this on a date. Did I? Yes. I don't remember. I don't remember you saying date. I that I is just a, know that you said you've seen it. I've been on very few dates to a movie, and I don't think this was one of them. Was I high or drunk? I mean, this maybe. was not drunk. We talked about this recently, so I don't remember. No, I don't remember it being a date. And uh, dear listener, if you're listening to this and you're like, that was my, I was on the date with you. Well, one, wow, you found me. Two, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't remember what I was saying. I'm good. I know what I'm saying. Do this it. Wickham isn't great. Boom, period. That's it. Yeah. Darcy, let's talk about Darcy and Lizzie now. Both good. Both great. They're good at their jobs. They're both actors who know how to act. They're very good. I fell in love with Kira Knightley all over again watching this first half. I think she acquitted herself way better than I thought she would. So double thumbs up, Kira Knightley. Yeah. As I knew you already were, you're a great actor. <laughs> anybody's hate for you is about them and not about you double thumbs up <laughs> double thumbs up kira yes girl yeah Matthew mcfadden fine i'm sorry i think that this i think that the darcy thing is just so elemental to a person who like has a certain pp like he's very good and he's handsome and he's like Bernie and all that shit, but he just doesn't have the same. There's something missing for me with him. I don't know. I can't explain it. I truly cannot explain it. All right. Well, let me get Matthew McFadden on the phone. Okay. And he okay. can apologize. Matthew McFadden, what is wrong with you? If you could just do us a favor and jump into the nearest pond, that would really help. <laughs> can you come out in a wet poet's blouse? Please. That's going to solve a lot of problems for me, buddy. I'm curious to see how I feel about part two, because I liked Matthew McFadden more this viewing than I remember liking him. And I think maybe I'm just picking up on different things, because also I'm far more intimately acquainted with the book than I was when I saw this originally. Um, and I mean, I had read it, you know, several times, but I've been at this point, folks, we've been living and breathing Pride and Prejudice for what feels like 20 years. This is been almost two years. This is episode 30, isn't it? For us? It's been almost two years. No, it hasn't. Well, it's been at least a year and five to six months. Yeah, well, it's been like a, because we started this during. I'm up, bitches. <laughs> like it's two decades. This was two decades ago. Yes. Same, yep. same. Same. Gotcha. Same. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, I'm curious to see how I react to part two, because I already like him more than I remember liking him. Yeah. Yeah. I like him, too, especially in the like chamber scenes, mm. like when he was writing the letter and responding to Caroline when she was making Lizzie take the turn about the room like that shit was way more sassy. That scene and that exchange was the sexiest version of that exchange that I've experienced. I like that one better. And I felt, I, I felt I, like there was I also, a little bit of spanking that was about to happen. The 
the uh, dancing scene was very good. And I understood why they were doing the thing where they would go around other people and be quiet for a while and like. But it didn't quite like. I don't know. I think he is a slower burn. So now we've gotten to the Parthenon. <laughs> we've gotten to the Oh Hell Nozzle. And now it'll be another dip and then straight up again. But it feels like my PP Darcy was kind of a straight up. And this one is more of a like parabola. There's a bit of and a I bend. Get, I get that. There's a, there's a bit of a bend to this PP. Yeah, there's more bend to this PP. It's an entirely natural curvature. Totally. Yes. <laughs> to the left. <laughs> to the left. Oh, everybody to um, the left. All right. Well, mm-hmm. while we're on the subject of the dancing, there are a couple of like big famous moments um, or scenes or set pieces or locations that I want to touch on. And one is um, the big the Joe Wrightiest of the Joe Wright scenes, which is when uh, Lizzie and Darcy are dancing and every- at Netherfield when he has the ball ball. Yes. And everybody okay. else disappears. God, that was right. a good. I yes, like that moment so much. I did not much. like that. Oh, I did it, not like that. It hit no. me. It hit me so in I, the right spot. I <laughs> love that. And I, as it was happening, looked to the screen to check in with how Julie was going to respond. And I watched her go, "Well," and look at Neil. And I was <laughs> no, like, "Oh, okay. I didn't like that. I didn't like that because I think that part of that scene." And part of what makes that scene so impactful and filled with pressure in the novel is because they are surrounded by other people. And I understand the filmic choice to take it out and for them to be isolated or whatever. But I think it took away it took away from the building pressure of the scene. Hmm. It was it was a release valve where I didn't think there needed to be one. And then I look back and I'm like, well, there was no release valve for Collins. So maybe that's where they decided to take the release. Mm. I felt that release there, though, which was like because like through all of that, they had these very crowded rooms, but also like filming from the end of the room through the crowds. So like it always felt like right on top of each other. And that sudden moment where like the focus just changed completely to they're the only people in the room. And like, obviously, you know, we're not even hiding. Oh, ow. We're not even hiding like the symbolism of all that. But like, it was, I like, I, it hit me in the right spot. I just see, I like those scenes because it looks like it smells terrible. All of those dancing scenes are amazing because it looks like real people. Everybody's greasy. Yeah. Everyone's a little sweaty. Everyone's a little bit sweaty and you know why Darcy is like so nose up because it is bum fuck Egypt. <laughs> it is out in the middle of nowhere. Well, and also, he he's like Mary. He literally just doesn't like balls. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That was Neil's favorite Mary quote. I don't like balls. <laughs> well, if they're both, you know, they... They're not social creatures. Neither of them Mm -hmm. is a social creature. Um, What I'm saying is I apparently ship Darcy and Mary now. Uh, But you can tell that he's just so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable. And 
he's always socially uncomfortable. Here I was like, oh my God, I would hate that too. It looks like it's so hot. It looks like it smells so bad. Everybody is drunk. No one is watching where they're going. There's that great shot where Bl- Brenda Bleffen is like eating like ice cream or something. And she tosses <laughs> yeah. it over her shoulder and hits a dude like right on his fancy fucking collar. I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's a good moment. There, this what movie I'm... is full of little moments like that. It's, yeah. it's a, you blink for a second and you miss some like cool little detail. It's a very detailed movie. I don't know if I'm reading into this or if like we've just seen enough PPs at this point that I'm catching smaller details in this, in this very quick adaptation, but Probably I felt like, both, bud. <laughs> uh, but I feel like in this one, I noticed that Darcy was trying to do the thing that Lizzie criticized him for the last time he saw her. So like the first time they met, he didn't dance. And so the next time they met, he tried to dance. Then during that, she was like, so you're going to fucking make small talk with me? And he was like, I don't fucking know. And so the next time they saw each other at Rosings, he tried to make small talk. I hope your family is well. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I, I liked it because it was, it was suddenly like, I can see Darcy's always been trying to figure it out, but like it felt much more intentional in each engagement. I That's can see a great that. point. That's a great yeah. point, mm-hmm. Janine. Um, see, he had one. Thanks. Good. Was, Jesus, 30 episodes of this, this shit and I finally made it. <laughs> and it didn't kidding. have to end with me making a bad joke about Oasis. Anyway. Patty. <laughs> <laughs> you guys oh, are assholes. Guys. Uh, you crazy kids. Okay. Um, I love our glasses. So that's one. Uh, we've talked about the Charlotte Lucas scene, um, but we also get that all of the swing shots of like life on the estate and all the people who work there. I loved that. God, that was so fun. Yeah. Were you about to ask how we felt about it? Yeah. I just, it just was a great, like this movie, I was, I was actually thinking before that moment of like, you know, this movie, because it moves so fast, it's fucking up with our sense of like how time passes, how far things are. Like everything feels like it's happening within a week. And that then that, it actually made me a little nauseous because she was swinging and I was thinking about swinging and seeing the, I, I maybe it's the humidity, but it was. Neil was like, is this time passing? Oh. <laughs> and it, you know, again, not hiding the symbolism it was. there. Um, but it was cool mm-hmm. to see the life. It felt, it was cool to see how dirty that place really is. Right. Like it's a farm, you know, like I liked it. It was pretty to me. I feel like my general conception last episode where I was like they brontified it kind of holds true because it feels a little bit more grounded in gross like reality like piles of shit Mm -hmm. and the way people smell and like if it it feels a little bit more real like I would say that most of the adaptations that we've watched until now in fact all of them kind of shy away from it's kind of the reality of the time it's a bit polished in that regency thing yeah yeah and they truly there would be a pile of shit right outside their back door that we see so i that part i admire i think that's cool yeah um what was the other one i wanted to ask about Oh, I don't fucking know. What were your favorite scenes? Julie, you already said you love Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte's monologue. Was there a, do you have, since we already talked about that one, do you have a second favorite? Uh, Or a scene you were disappointed in? I don't know. 
Probably the Parthenon. I mean, the, the the oh hell no proposal scene was very good. It, the adapt the adaptive choices of the script were interesting because they took out my favorite thing from the book, which is how ardently I admire and love you, which I think is a different statement. Mm-hmm. Um. But it was beautifully shot, and they both are beautiful people, so great. But I think overall, Charlotte's monologue about I deserve to be happy, too, was my favorite scene in the first half of the movie. What about you, Janine? Um, Performance-wise, I would agree with the Charlotte scene. Um, just scene in general of just filmmaking and the way it was done and how they, the choices they made about getting the story through and sticking to that realism. So that, uh, it was the, one of the long shots in Netherfield where they, there was a moment, I think very long shot and they were hitting on conversations that were happening that had further conversation after because the camera would leave and the sound of that conversation that we heard that was important for the story faded out and they were kept going, but the camera kept moving and then found somebody else. And it was apparent with, um, I think when Lizzie and, uh, I think Lizzie and Charlotte were talking and like, that's when I really noticed that, yeah, they're like doing a great job of slice of life, right? This is happening in a fucking party and you're, these are things we need to hear, but they did a great job of noting that these important sentences are just a bit, a blip. And there's other things happening. I kept moving. Mm. I liked it. It was, I thought, and that it was such a long shot, like beautifully orchestrated and everyone hit their marks. It was be- like every, every aspect of it was so well done and didn't feel mechanical. And that was like, um, being able to do a slice of life like that in 2005 with that technology, but just, I dug it. I, I thought it was really well done. Uh, I think I'm just to shake it up. I think I'm going to say, uh, Lizzie and Jim. Well, okay. I'm going to pick two. I'm going to cheat a little. I'm going to say Lizzie and Jane under their dead wife sheet. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'm going <laughs> to say, um, uh, the Mr. Bennett punchline scene where that was played for gravitas as well as the punchline. I just think that really, but that balls <laughs> it balls are you talking about the pig balls there, are there, huge there were pig a balls. lot of pig balls <laughs> so many pig balls why are there so many pig balls you know why because there are too many pig balls in our lives the prince is giving a ball <laughs> uh, I think that's going to do it for us <laughs> I think we killed it. Agreed. Guys, yeah. we're a mess this week. Um, we are uh, going to come back next week to talk about the second half of the m- movie B- B- Joe Wrighty to the, the Kira Fest with part two of Kira, Kira Fest. Um, and I'm super excited to watch and talk about the second half of this movie, which has some really righteous scenes in it. I assume you're already girding your loins for the our big Judy Dench scene. Because uh, <laughs> well, it's going to be so good. Judy doesn't miss, bitch. Judy doesn't miss. <laughs> Judy does not miss. Judy can't fail, as The Clash <laughs> said. Um, um, hilarious. You know, I... I I do what I can. We uh, are going to do that then. And for now, we're going to leave. Uh, in the in the meantime, you can find us on the internet at uh, Podlendercast and at SickBurnJane on Twitter and Instagram. Sick burn, sick burn Jane. <laughs> uh, 
You can I also find it. us on Patreon. Oh, and and on the what? No, not yet. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podlandergrantcast where you can join the Slack, um, do our lunch breaks, although I haven't done one in a while. I got to do one of those. Uh, Janine's Corner. We just Janine and I just did a Janine's Corner about Ted Lasso. Yeah. Totally. What? So good. Yeah. Such a good one. It's the lasso Amazing. way. It's the lasso yeah, I, experience. You have to get off off that fence and watch it. Don't want that splitter in your ass. Haven't you seen it, Julie? Yo, yeah, I'm current. I'm referring to the song I sang. Yeah, I don't know that shit. I know you should watch it. It's uh it's good. It's a, um it's anyway, a banger. that's the thing you can find it it, it balls. Um that's the thing you can find on Patreon. Among other things, we want to thank all of our patrons who make it possible for us to do the show. It's expensive. We could not do it without you. And then where would we all be? Uh I want to thank all of them and would thank them all by name, but there are too many, so I will just thank the following wonderful people. Just Bree, Mallory Smith, Catspaw156, Batty Perkins, Snazzy Nacht, Lisa, Brian, Julia Gulia, Kathleen Martini, Lauren Tennant, Kelsey Kemp, Madison Johnson, Emily Day, Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Ashley Teagason, Kristen Freckled Fury, Laura Colm, Amelia Bazell, Liz and Tinkerbell, Stella Welch, Chrissy Shively, Claire Feeney, Kayla Reagan, Rochelle LaFever, Heather Robbins, Jerry Hurdle, Emily Carlson, Amy Gustafson, Rachel Townsend, Steph Peterson, Kelly Mazella, Chantel Salters, Mary the Falling Statue, Tara Lucchino, Viv Pickles, Mary of the Grapefruit, Jenna Bukowski, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCrary, Julie DeToit, Jen Lander Drunklin, <gasps> Kelly Bodden, Amanda Newton, and Kiki the Wise. The wise. Uh, we will be back with CureFest Part 2 uh, next week. And uh, until then, stay safe, stay, stay alert, um, and, and um, try not to throw ice cream on men you don't know at strange balls. Or do. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>